Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for us to slow down and remember that God is actually at work in our mess. And I know I need that reminder, and maybe you could use it too. And so if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I am grateful to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a fresh perspective and new story into your speakers and your podcast app every other Tuesday. And joining me once again as my co-host is my sweet friend, Amy Groeschel. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of our church, Life Church, where we're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app. God's Word literally in your back pocket for free. And so if you don't already have that, today can be the day. And guys, one of my personal favorite things about this podcast is simply locking arms with women from all over who are willing to share a piece of their life and point us back to truth. So have you ever heard someone say, we all need both a Paul and a Timothy in our life? Meaning we all need godly mentors and teachers and those who've gone before us to help us and guide us and stretch us. And we also get to pass on what we've learned to those who are coming after us, to those with similar questions, to those facing similar challenges. Now, the fancy word is discipleship, but the practical way this plays out is in real life relationships. Meeting someone for coffee, meeting to go on a walk, or just hanging out in one of your living rooms, or cooking together in your kitchen, and studying the Bible together. Talking about this great hope we have together. Because in a world that's becoming increasingly more connected, yet isolated, this is huge. This is important. Of course, it'll never be perfect, and it will always take some work, but it's so very worth it. And though this is definitely not the same thing as sitting down in person for coffee, today we are getting the next best thing, a peek into a faith-filled life. Y'all, Cynthia Huffmeyer is a lifelong lover of God's Word, as well as a Bible teacher and truth speaker and disciple maker who's walked through a lot in her life. In more recent years, she founded something called Breakthrough, an amazing ministry designed to equip women with biblical truth. But she's pretty much done it all, from teaching women in living rooms to speaking at big conferences to leading Bible studies in prison. Guys, I truly believe you're going to be blessed by her passion and encouraged by her faith. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join Amy and me for a chat with Cynthia. Amy and I have been eagerly awaiting this conversation. So Cynthia, welcome to the messy table. Thank you. Yes. So glad excited. to be here. We are excited. We've been expectant, praying, and for the listeners of this podcast, you don't want to miss it. Go to the very end. You're going to be so blessed because mm-hmm. Cynthia, I've known her now for a good number of years. I have no idea how long, but I knew her before she knew me just by <laughs> reputation as really a renowned Bible teacher with an incredible testimony of what God's done in your life. And, and then knowing you personally, Cynthia, has been a delight. Thank so you. She's I, a legend. We Thank we want gosh. our listeners to know um, just how special their sister in Christ is. So tell the listeners about just the highlights of who you are in your life. All right. Born and raised in Tulsa, met my husband in high school, fell in love. We um, married after he graduated from college. I was not quite finished. He went to medical school. He's a podiatrist, foot doctor. And um, we moved, I think, nine times in eight years and had two Mm. little boys that Mm. now are really one's just getting ready to turn 50 and the other is 52, which is so shocking. (laughs) People say, how old are your children? And um, I have five darling grandchildren. And we've lived in Edmond for about 47 years and lived in the same house for 42. But you look 42. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. How can you have a 50-year-old when you look younger than that? Yeah, well. 
I'm glad to be alive and moving and <laughs> glad and to all be alive. That. And I, you know, I've taught for 40 years, wow, over 40 years. And so people think that I'm going to be, you know, 85 or something. <laughs> I started when I was pretty young. I was only about 32. My boys I had when I was 22 and 24. So whenever they got up and got in school, that's when the Lord really called me to start teaching after they were gone during the day. So I had my days free to do whatever I wanted to. And that was teach the word, really. So that's what I've been doing. So eventually you started a ministry called Breakthrough. When was that? How long ago? That was relatively recently. It's probably been about five years now, a little over five years. I had a group of women that I had started teaching when they were just getting married and or engaged, didn't have children or anything. They're still with me. Now they're my team and we do conferences together once a year. So I, you know, I never dreamed when I was kind of raising them up and pouring into them that someday they'd be propping me up. Because really, at my age, I could not do the conferences that I do without them. And they are mighty women of God. I mean, every single one of them. Well, none of us can do anything alone, really. That's true. You know? That's yeah, really that's true. Right. That's yeah. right. And I've been to the breakthrough. And I'm telling you, this team, you're not joking. They are incredible. And it's beautiful to know that they're fruit from your ministry now serving at that capacity because yeah. they're great events. Yes. And and Breakthrough, you know, you named it that because to me, I'm like, that's an obvious title because it's it's really so telling of what God has done in your life. Mm-hmm. So it, I I decided at this point in my life, what did I really long to teach? And I don't know how long I'll be here. You know, I could be here for 20 more years. But if I'm towards the end of my teaching, I wanted to teach on the things that I think are critical for every Christian to know. That's so good. Absolutely critical. And so the first conference was on taking your thoughts captive, that breaking through to the mind of Christ. I think that is so key and important to know how to order your thoughts. Your thoughts are powerful and you have control over them. And then the second one was intimacy with Christ, because I don't think you can become intimate with Christ until you have control of your mind, because the enemy tries to keep you from that, that you're unworthy, that, you know, he doesn't want you in his presence, that he's mad at you, that, I mean, all different things. So, That one was intimacy with Christ. And I just tried to do things that I feel like are key for a person to stand and walk through this life because it's a difficult life. It's wonderful, but you have lots of things that you face. And I think in Christianity, we have inadvertently in America taught that whenever you come to Christ, everything's going to be great. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, and you still have a lot of things that you face. Mm -hmm. And so like right now, we live in a world that if we are not really plugged in to the mind of Christ and taking our thoughts captive, we're going to be nervous and scared. And that's going to be our next conference is going to be on freedom from fear and anxiety. And we can get free Mm -hmm. from freedom and fear. We shouldn't walk like the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And it is this mysterious stance of like God within us, the Holy Spirit within us. But then we have a part to play. Yes. We're not robots. And so I love how (laughs) you just touch on different sides of that. Yes. Like the spiritual side of our last conference. It was breakthrough to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Most people, they know a lot about God and Jesus, but they don't recognize the third part Mm -hmm. of the Godhead, the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. Right. All that he is in us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a scripture that says that he can do incredibly more than what we ask or think. 
we stop there. It goes on to say, according to the power Mm -hmm. that dwells within us. So God can do incredible things through the power that dwells in us. Mm -hmm. We are a participant. You know, he wants to join in on what we're doing and we join in with him. And so it's a wonderful fellowship, you know, and unity with him that you walk and he lets you be a part of what he's doing. That's I think that's miraculous. So good. Absolutely. And um, I love that you are, you know, choosing these topics from a, a gut level of really what you've walked through and what you've needed and what God's revealed to you that brings about real spiritual strength in our lives, just layer by layer. And I know that a, a lot of the passion and the conviction comes out of your own personal experiences, mm-hmm. your own breakthroughs, your own uh, testimony. And so, you know, it's Messy Table and we love to hear the testimony of where you've been and how God has brought you through kind of messy situations. Would you share just a little bit about, you know, where you come from in your life? Sure. Well, I said I was born in Tulsa. My parents um, had a very hard marriage. My dad was 12 years older than my mother. And um, my mother had been married before and not able to have children. And she wanted a little girl named Prissy more than anything (laughs) in in the world. Prissy Andrews. (laughs) Prissy. So through lots of medical help and everything, she did get pregnant. She had me. And I was really her life. And, you know, no one can be your life but Christ. They just can't. They can't feel that. Your name isn't Prissy. No, that's what I was called. All, my, my dad never called me by Cynthia. This is your nickname. Okay. Really? Yeah, my nickname. My, yeah. I had a dog named Prissy. <laughs> you did? Yeah. And, and I am kind of Prissy. <laughs> so it fits. And my relatives, a lot of them still call me Prissy. Really? Yeah. Isn't that funny? My mother was very emotionally unstable. And as... I grew older. She became very abusive. And I think because she loved me the most, she took out her abuse and anger on me the most. And she was a hairstylist. And one day she had cut my hair and given me a permanent. And I didn't like it. I was crying. It was too short. It was too frizzy, you know, typical kid. And so that hurt her feelings. Mm. See, that I didn't like what she had done. And if you hurt her feelings, she was so broken inside that the way she would handle it was just rage. And so she grabbed me and put my head underwater for what seemed like a long time. And finally, she let me up. And then she just threw me across the room. And she said, there, you go fix it yourself. You're nothing but a devil. I was seven. And I ran outside. And you know, You believe what your parents say about you. So I just cried up to the Lord. There was a lot of God talk in my house, but I knew no one believed it. Isn't that interesting? Even as a child, because I knew that if they believed what they were telling me, they wouldn't be so messed up. And they were just messed up. Was it like legalistic? Like, okay, we'll go to church. No, we didn't go to church at all. They had been raised, my mom had been raised really with a cult. But they kind of said they believed in God. Yes, they talked about God a lot. Professing Christian or just God? Um, God, mainly God. And Mm -hmm. my dad came from a very wonderful relational home. And my grandmother, I have been told that she had a photographic memory and she the preacher would come by every Saturday night before he would preach and go over his message with her. How, how was it? Aww. And I think that's the generational blessing that's been passed down to me because I have such a hunger for the word. I feel like 
really after studying it and teaching it for so many years, I feel like I've just scratched the surface. Yeah. I mean, just barely scratched oh, the right. surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, back to my story. Um, so I ran outside and I just looked up to heaven, cried out to God. And I said, God, is that true? Am I a devil? And I really didn't know what he would answer me. I, I, I waited to listen to him. And in a very clear voice in my ear, in my mind, he said, no, you're not a devil. You are mine. And I love you. And your mommy loves you. She's just very sick. He said, a normal mommy wouldn't treat her little girl that way. So think of what he gave me in those words. First of all, a foundation that he loved me. I knew I was loved. And I knew the things that my mother said to me were not true, that they were coming from her own hurt and her own brokenness. So there was a part of my mother that was wonderful. And as I got older, she was in bed. She took a lot of pills, lots of drugs. That's how doctors treated depression in those days. So she was unconscious, really, so much of the time in bed. And she smoked five packages of cigarettes a day. So my house was dark and it was always filled with smoke. And it was just, you could feel the oppression, you know, when you walked in. So the way I came out of that was I didn't know the Bible. My mother had given me uh, the book, The Prophet by Cahill Gibran, and I would read it and read it and read it. And one of my favorite parts was on suffering. And it said, the deeper sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Wow. How old are you at this point? I was in ninth grade. Okay. Mm. And that's how pain feels real real hurt, it's like it is carving something in your heart. You feel it physically. Right. And whenever I would feel that deep pain physically, I would rejoice because I would think of the capacity I was going to have for joy. Wow. That I was one day, all of that was going to be filled up with joy. I think it was the Lord's gift that he brought my husband into my life. I was 14. I turned 15 that summer. He turned 17 that summer. (laughs) And to this day, we've been married 54 years. I don't know anyone that is like him. Mm-hmm. He is, every day he wakes up happy. Every <laughs> single day. He never is in a bad mood. He is just precious. And the Lord's given me a, a taste of his love through my husband because my husband loves me so unconditionally. And I'd never been loved like that. Beautiful. So when we got married, I, I just really thought that I'd done gone to heaven with someone. <laughs> So that's kind of where I came from. And I came out of it whole from listening to the Lord and what he would say to me. And then whenever I started going to a church, this was after my husband was in school, finished his residency. I'd never had a car. And so, and he always was on call or at the hospital on Sundays. And we started going to a church here in Edmond. And I heard the word preached for the Mm -hmm. first time. And it was like, I had the spirit in me, but I didn't have the word. Mm-hmm. And when the spirit of God and the word of God combine, it's yeah. like an explosion inside of you. That's so good. Yeah. And so, so many things that the Lord had taught me in my spirit, I then read with my eyes. Beautiful. And it was just amazing, mm-hmm. really amazing. So he says in Psalm 107, verse 20, I send my word and heal you and deliver you out of all of your destructions. And that word destructions means 
rescued from the grave. Wow. And so when you read God's word and you hear it, but you take it into your spirit, you know it's yours. You know he wrote that for you. It heals you. Yes. It brings healing to you. God reparents you. Yeah. And he becomes to you what has been lacking. And if you don't receive that from him, you will search for it in other people. You will search for it in a job, your children, your success, your money, because we're created with that need to find him. And if we don't find him, we'll try to fill it with other things that are just temporary. Mm -hmm. And I love that you had a knowledge of God and you were being pursued by him. And I think of the people all over the world who don't yet have scripture, they don't yet have the word in their own heart language. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they can, you know, have a knowledge of God and the spirit can pursue them. But yeah. then once they get that word, yes. it just is so much richer and so much deeper. And I actually just read this. I pulled it up because I just read it and I think it goes so beautifully. It's Isaiah 55, 11, And he's talking about how different forms of precipitation water the earth, causing seeds to grow and food to be produced. And then it says, it's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And so I just love that because whenever we read God's word or when we share God's word, like it's not going to return void. It's not going to come back empty. And so we can have such confidence knowing that sometimes if we're not feeling it or we're like, oh Lord, am I really supposed to share this with someone? Like it doesn't even really make sense. I don't know what you're going to do with it. But just knowing like we're planting that seed and we can have the confidence that it's going to produce. That's so good, Jan. That's so good. So many times I'll be driving home from a place where I've spoken or taught and the enemy, you know, a lot of times you can be teaching and you can at the very end chase a rabbit and Mm -hmm. never get back to the (laughs) climax of what you were saying. And so on the way home, you know, the enemy would always remind me of that. And the Lord would say, Cynthia. You're not giving me much credit. My word does not go out and return void. Mm -hmm. And it always accomplishes what I desire. Mm -hmm. And so many times I'll have people come up and say, oh, I loved when you said this. And I know I didn't say it. And you're like, I did not say it. Whatever I did say, the Lord took it and spoke it to them in a way that they needed to hear. Yes. So that is such confidence for you as, you know, a teacher, a speaker, to know that God is using you. You're just a vessel. Yes. But the outcome is with him. It's not me. And I'm very aware of it. And what Jen was just saying, I was thinking the same thing. It was like this story is kind of like how the Holy Spirit will reach an unreached people group, somebody that hasn't received the word, uh, heard the true gospel yet, yet they're already set apart. They're already chosen and called. We can't compare uh, stories of how we get to God yes. and we're a believer because they're all so unique. Mm-hmm. But when we are saved, it's like, because I, I think people might be thinking, wait, when did you have that salvation moment? But people's stories are different. In 2 Timothy 1.9, I this morning I just had read, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Mm-hmm. And this grace was given us in Christ Jesus, this is crazy, before the beginning of time. Like Mm. Ephesians 1 tells us that before the creation of the world, he chose us. And I just hear your story and going, you know, I don't know if you had that salvation moment of like pray the salvation prayer, but clearly God set you apart and, and pursued you. And you went out as a child knowing the existence of God mm-hmm. and, and not knowing even his name and called out to him in prayer. Yeah. 
I did pray um, at a certain point whenever I was at a conference and the enemy would use that. Like, are you really, you never did really pray. You never confessed your faith before men and mm-hmm. went forward. And so <laughs> I did that yep. at that conference. And You've um, been confessing it. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh, because I didn't, you know, that was one, one thing I could take care of very easily with him. It didn't make any difference to me if I, if when I got saved, the point is that I had surrendered my life to Christ. Yep. And mm-hmm. so if I needed a day and a time, I marked it right then. But I want you to listen real quick to Romans chapter one. And it says, because that which is known about God is evident within them, talking about man, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that all are without excuse. Mm -hmm. So really what God's saying is that when he created us, he put inside of each man, he wove that knowledge that there was something more, that longing to know him. And then he put it in creation, that his invisible attributes are visible in nature. You look at the ocean, you look at the mountain, you look at a sunset, you look at a storm, you look at everything about creation bears witness of God and who he is. So any person that is looking and and quits trying to tell God who he is, mm-hmm. but says, God, show me who you are, Jesus will always be revealed to them. They go into the darkest places in the world, most remote, mm-hmm. and they find that people know about Jesus. Or people have had dreams. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. Oh, the, in the Muslim world, it is amazing the dreams that they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable. And so we're without excuse because he made that knowledge of himself inside of each person and that we would long to know him. And then he put it in creation. It makes me think last night when I was tucking my son into bed, he's 10, he was asking me, okay, so who created God? And we were having that conversation. <laughs> yes. Love that. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, or, you know, another option is we're just random accidents floating around in space. And he was like, well, mom, that doesn't make sense. If there wasn't a God, <laughs> we wouldn't even be here. And I was like, well, you're right. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> so. yes, I, I've known a scientist for a long time that Um, put the Bible in the computer years ago before people even had computers. But he said, I cannot convince you, I cannot prove that God wrote the Bible, but I can prove to you that man did not. Hmm. Man did not write it. Through all the the verses, the way they're laid out, all of it, it, when you put it into the computer, it doesn't compute. Even prophecies and like the statistics wise, as Mm -hmm. far as like Mm -hmm. those predictions would actually come to be, it doesn't even make he said it takes more faith to believe evolution than it does creation. Absolutely. And you know, you're really right. Mm-hmm. And then he would take different truths of science and show you how it originated in the Bible, like how everything thermodynamics says that everything is created and it disintegrates. It mm-hmm. gets older. You look mm-hmm. at a car, it starts out new and it gets, well, to believe creation, you have to throw out that main testament of science. Because in evolution, it says that man started here and he kept evolving to something higher. Well, that goes against the main scientific mm-hmm. law of thermodynamics. Right. It breaks down. Yeah. And I think we're so limited. Like we're still discovering how God did it. 
Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, we so are. So it's like, we don't have all the answers. And sometimes we think, oh, well, this is how God did it. And then later we're yeah. like, actually, science is proving that that doesn't seem to be correct. Yeah. But regardless, he did it. And they start agreeing with what God has said. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they just... But there was a beginning of the universe. Yes. And people, it affects their health if they hold unforgiveness. Mm. You know, and God's told us that all through his word. But now science doctors know that, that unforgiveness in a person will cause their health to decrease instead of increase. You know, so I, I'm with you. I love it whenever science starts proving God's word. And there's so many times it does that. I just think that's so great. Yeah, they're not opposites. Okay, so we could take this conversation in a million different directions. You're so big on equipping women, empowering women, encouraging women. And so I just want to know, you touched on it a little bit earlier, like the things that you're really passionate about women knowing. What are some of those things that you just want people to know? First of all, I feel like there's so many broken people walking around Mm -hmm. that are really broken inside. And that have strongholds from the lies that they believe of the enemy. And they hear the word and they go to church and they may very well, you know, have had a salvation experience, but they've never taken God's truth into them. It hasn't changed them. Mm -hmm. And you see it all the time. Someone that is a wonderful Christian, they're there all the time, but they have no relationship with their mother or they have a brother they haven't spoken to in years. Mm -hmm. You're like, that doesn't make sense. How can you have the love of Christ in you? And have no relationship with somebody that is, you know, in your family. And that's what John says, you know, First John, if you don't love your brother, you can't love me. Mm-hmm. So they are spiritually immature and it's because they're broken emotionally. So not a salvation issue, but a depth issue, which is where true intimacy with yes, God is. An emotional, an mm-hmm. emotional issue. Yes. Are you healthy emotionally or are you really and truly faking it? Mm-hmm. Are you desperate inside? Do you feel unworthy? Mm -hmm. Do you feel rejected? And you may very well have been rejected, really and truly been told that you were worthless or treated as if you're worthless. Mm -hmm. But you have to replace those lies that you believed from the enemy with the truth of God and know that he trumps it. He trumps whatever you have believed from the enemy. Mm -hmm. And until you get to that place, that his word takes precedence in your life over anything you feel. Mm-hmm. I don't care how unworthy you feel. You know, scripture's like, he who knew no sin became our sin mm-hmm. that we might become the righteousness of God. Now you hear that and you're like, really? Mm-hmm. I'm the righteousness of God? Mm-hmm. Hard to believe sometimes. It's hard to yeah. believe. But it's either true or it's not. Right. Mm-hmm. Either God's word is true or it's a lie. Mm-hmm. It comes down to trusting him. Exactly. What he says about us. It comes down to trusting him, regardless of how we feel. Right. Mm-hmm. So you read that and you're like, whoa, I am the righteousness of God. He says, that's what I am. Then I am. I don't care how I feel. And we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Mm-hmm. So as we renew our minds with the truth of God, we will be transformed. You can't have old negative thoughts and have a change in your life. You will defer to those thoughts. And Craig's so good about preaching on your strongest thought will be the direction of your life. And that is true. 
It's absolutely true. And see, science is coming up and proving mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. And that God said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah, all the brain connections yeah. and neural pathways yeah. and all of and that. And if you really think that you're a failure, you'll fail. You have to realize there's energy in your thoughts. If you think that no one likes you and that you are rejected, people really won't be drawn to you. Mm-hmm. There's an energy in our thoughts even. Mm-hmm. But I know because I know your heart that it's more than just the power of positive thinking. Oh, absolutely. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us. And I do want to add also that you were talking about the brokenness in people. And the three of us are here to say we all have broken pieces that we have to surrender to God and allow Him to heal. And I know that's been a big part of your story. Right. Yes. Right. In fact, because you're going right into like brokenness is a big key to uh, what you're passionate about sharing to the believer to, for healing, it's coming out of your own healing. So take us through some steps of how your healing came because you've gone through a lot of trauma. So how did that healing come through the Word? Because it clearly did. You clearly have a renewed mind. Well, foundationally, the Lord let me know that my mother was sick. So I grew up knowing that what my mother said about me, although it hurt terribly, She would tell me that I was worthless, that I was an awful child, that I was selfish. She would just say terrible things about me. And then whenever she was more right in her head, she would always say, I'm so sorry that I said those things. But most people, you would hold on to the negative instead of the positive. Right. How many positives does it take to dilute one negative? You know, it's it's, uh, enormous. But if you know going into life (laughs) that we don't fight with flesh and blood. That's not where our war is. You know, our war is against the enemy. And so even one time I was teaching a Bible study. This is a perfect example. This lady had asked me to teach. I'd prayed about it. I felt like the Lord said that I was to teach. A group of us, large group of us, went out to lunch afterwards. And I was sitting at the end of the table. And this woman that had asked me to teach began to say really negative things about me. And I was like, has she forgotten I'm here? I mean, I was, I, it was incredulous. And the people down at the other end of the table did not defend me, didn't say anything about, I mean, I was crushed. So I went home after that lunch and I cried and cried. I said, Lord, that's it. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. And I was teaching, not coincidentally, Lord, heal my hurts. Mm. So uh, the Lord let me just wail and carry on. And um, then he said in my mind, he said, Cynthia, who are you teaching this Bible study for? You, Lord. (laughs) That's right. And he said, I haven't asked you to stop. And he said, you're right. She doesn't like you. And he said, but she loves me. Hmm. And I love you. And if you will stay and teach this course, She's going to see your heart and she's going to change Mm -hmm. and love you. But if you leave, that's not going to happen. And so that was so interesting, you know, that the Lord said, he'd let me know. It wasn't my imagination. She really didn't like me. It was pretty clear. The things she would say and do were just awful. But I stayed and I taught Mm -hmm. for the Lord. And that did happen. Mm -hmm. She really saw that she had misjudged me. She saw my heart and just profusely asked me to forgive her, apologize for just for years. And finally, I wrote her a a letter and I said, you are totally free. I want you to know that I completely forgive you. I have no, you know, no unforgiveness at all. And you need to forgive yourself over this. It's, it's finished. It's at the cross. 
every single one of us are going to have people come against us. And if we crumble each time and we don't look for what God's saying to us in it, mm-hmm. then it's going to defeat us. Yeah. But he has a thought on things. And you did the hard thing. You had the courage to stay and to yeah. stick it out and to, you know, yeah. see what God would do. Yeah. And I had to trust him. Mm-hmm. I had to just trust that he would do that. Not everybody's going to like you. And the Lord said, be suspicious when everybody loves you. I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Yeah. So true. And so if we don't have a few people that hate us, that we've been too lukewarm. Amen. I don't want you to stop, but I just am having like a little party, singing and dancing right here, uh, listening to you because uh, this right here, listeners, I hope that you are like, right here in this moment, hearing from the Holy Spirit, because and I've seen so much hurt, uh, Christians hurting Christians, whether it's intentional or, you know, unintentional, where we quit on people. And that is not the Spirit of God working through us when we quit on a relationship or we quit on our ministry because we get discouraged. And uh, what you're saying right here, I just, anybody who has is thinking about that or um, has done that, there's always a chance to redeem and restore as far as it depends on us, right? We're going to live with, at peace yes. with people as truth tellers. But as Christ has loved us, we need to go love and we need to love, especially the people that were the friend that became sort of the enemy and lean into them all the more and say, I'm going to be the one that loves the most because Christ has loved me the most. And so I just don't want us to move on until somebody grabs hold of this and takes some steps of obedience to say, no, you know, Christ lives in me. That means love lives in me. And I'm not going to quit on a relationship. I'm not going to quit because somebody was you know, mean, somebody close to me hurt me. They said something. I'm so for us to be unified. Jesus prayed that we'd be one. So how can we be one if we just keep getting offended? Right. We can't be. A house divided just, cannot just, stand. That's mm-hmm. right. I know we know it, but sometimes I think when things get hard, we're like, well, maybe this is wrong. And that's just not the case. Sometimes right. when things get hard, we need to step into it. Like you're not saying ignore it. Sometimes right. we need to have those difficult conversations yeah. or we need to press in and say, this really bothered me yes. and work through forgiveness. Or just be wrong. Just like the scripture said, just sometimes be, True. be wronged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ask the Lord to speak to you. Yes. He will speak to you through his word. Yeah. He really will. If you will say, Holy Spirit, will you please speak to me? Give mm-hmm. me direction. And Get in your Bible. He will give you specific direction. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you're just like, I didn't even know that word was in there. Mm-hmm. How could that? Mm-hmm. But it it is, and it's for you. So the very first year that I taught, um, I was going to teach a national Bible study that had a teacher that did the lecture part. Mm-hmm. And I was going to use their materials, but I was going to do the lecture part. It was a large Bible study and we divided up in groups. And I'd heard from the Lord. I mean, he'd really been preparing me for some time. Mm-hmm. Well, the coordinators, and I got permission from this Bible study to do the lecture. The coordinators of this Bible study called me and absolutely chewed me out. Who did I think I was? Mm-hmm. I think I was a better teacher than this woman who was unbelievable Mm. that I would ever presume to teach the Bible study instead of her. And I said to them, I'm not saying I'm a better teacher. She is absolutely who I aspire to teach like, but I know that the Lord's told me to teach. So therefore I'm going to be the best teacher for this group that they could have because he's called me to Mm -hmm. do it. So I'm not doing it because I think I'm better than anyone. Mm -hmm. I'm only doing it because God's called me to do it. 
And right. I'm confident of that. Right. So it didn't deter me. Right. And it could have. It yeah. could have made me think, oh my gosh, am I supposed to be teaching? And you're not wanted. Not. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But see, I heard from the Lord. Right. So that if I hear from the Lord, and I make sure I do before I make major sure. decisions, yeah. then I'm not swayed. You, you can't yeah. get me off of it. Mm-hmm. I've heard from him. And no matter what you say, his word takes precedence. And he corrects me. Sometimes I'll ask him, Lord, what about this? What happened? And he will correct me. And see, the thing of it is, he gives us a guilt that leads to life, yeah. not death, <laughs> not yes. condemnation. <laughs> yes. The enemy pounds at our head. He just pounds at our head. Conviction pierces our heart and it lifts us up to what truth is. So we can go to the Lord confidently and be honest with him. He sees it anyway, yeah. you know, and confess it to him and he will forgive us and then cleanse us and bring us to the place that we're to be. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to fear when we know we've done something wrong. We have a tendency to shrink back. Mm-hmm. that we don't want to go before the Lord. We feel too guilty to do that or not worthy to do it. Well, when we know his word that says, come boldly and to the grace. throne room of grace, well, you will receive help and mercy in a time of need. Mm-hmm. So when we know that, even if we don't feel like we should, we can press in and go through and say, Lord, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And he does forgive us. And then he brings us up to who we really are in him. So say someone's listening right now, and I'm sure that someone is who really has been hurt in a very complicated, specific situation. She's like, I don't want to still feel hurt, but I just, oh, it's gut-wrenching. What would you say to her about where she should start? I think the first place you start is contemplating God's love for you and what Jesus did on the cross. That when you realize the sacrifice that was made for you, the grace that you have received, it makes it very hard to hold on to bitterness. Mm -hmm. Because God says you forgive just as you have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. So many people know in their minds, again, that they've been forgiven, but they've never fully received his grace or his adoption of them. He said, I didn't pour out a spirit of fear on you, leading you to slavery. I poured out a spirit of adoption on you, Mm -hmm. whereby you cry out, Abba, Father. So I think the place that you start is really contemplating the grace that you have received. Mm -hmm. And then you move into the fact that you don't forgive them for their sake. You forgive them for your sake, because that unforgiveness It'll kill you. It will destroy you. It will eat at you. It will rob you. And you want to be free. And as long as you are unforgiving towards them, you're connected to them. You're tied into them. So the very person that's hurt you the most, you're still linked to through that unforgiveness. So what you do is you give up the right to judge and be unforgiving towards them. And you give it to the Lord, which is the place that it belongs. And you just release them to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with how you take care of this. I have no idea how you're going to, but I'm going to trust you with it and I'm going to let go of it. I just had an example of that. Several years ago, my husband had surgery center business also, and there was a lot of money involved. And I've seen when there's a lot of money involved, it is the root of all evil. It is so amazing what people will do. And we had a person that was so close to us 
that my husband had poured into that was really close to our family. And he completely stuck us in the back with a knife. And I mean, big time. And my husband, who is not confronted at all, confronted him with the lies that he was saying. And he said, you're not telling the truth. I know you're not. And we cannot be associated in business anymore at all. And so it took a while for my husband to work through forgiveness with him. Mm -hmm. But he never is going to be in business with him again. He's learned he is not trustworthy. Well, my son saw this friend pretty recently and he just began to weep. And he said that he knew that we hated him and which is so not true. We don't. And he said, I think about it every single day. Wow. And I have patterned my family after your family and your dad. And he said, it breaks my heart. Now, here's the thing. This young man still justifies his sin. So he's tormented. If we bump into him, we're always sweet. We're always pleasant. He has never come to us and even confessed what he did. And he didn't have to do that for us to forgive him. But for him to be free, he's going to have to own his sin, you know, and he's not. He's tormented by it. Kind of starting to maybe get to a confession point if he's mentioning that to your son. Maybe. And I pray that he does. His wife's been in some of my Bible studies. Mm -hmm. But that was such a sad thing to me because the word says that ill-gotten gain does not prosper. This man prospered financially in a huge way, and we lost everything. And he used that to prove that he wasn't in the wrong, that we were the ones that suffered financially and he had prospered. So it was confusing to me. I was like, Lord, how can that be? And then when I heard that story, I thought he's not prospering. Even with all that money, he's not at peace inside. He's not prospering. So if someone is hurting and someone someone has really hurt them and it's unfair It's not just. It's legit. It's It's a legit wound. Yeah. So here's what the word says. Here is what finds favor with me. So our ears perk up. We're like, oh, Lord, I want to know what finds favor with you. (laughs) But what follows is not good news. It says, if you bear up when suffering unjustly. So see, it's unjust suffering that God calls us to. How are we going to become like him if we don't suffer unjustly? It's different times in our lives. We're not. Our love is not measured by the people who love us. They're easy to love. Our love is measured by the people that hurt us, that betray us, that damage us, reject us. That's when our love is measured. It's a good reminder because it's so hard. Yes. (laughs) It is hard. Cynthia, you are not living as a victim. What? No. Like you have a lot of victimization in your life. Why are you not a victim? Because I'm in Christ and I feel completely secure, completely loved, completely safe. I'm not trying to prove my worth all the time. It's proven. It was proven at the cross. And I have taken that in. I believe that with every fiber that is in me. And going through that hard time when we lost everything, it was a pretty public thing. Mm -hmm. And I've had people come back and say to me, I admire you more and I learned more from you by watching you go through that. And I was just trying to survive. I mean, I was hanging on by a thread. In the moment, you weren't thinking like, how can I be an example? Right. (laughs) In the moment, I was just, Lord, 
help me get through this day. And this is what's so interesting. I had stopped teaching for two years before this all happened. And I was just mystified why the Lord would tell me to stop. And I taught for 25 years in this one setting. And he said, it's complete. And I don't, I don't want you to teach next year. And you I just was, felt this really strongly? Oh, yeah. Like and your... I got a word from him in the Bible. He gave me a word. So when this all happened, it was so public. I couldn't have been teaching. I was too broken to teach. I have always taught from examples in my own life. People would have been able to connect the dots. It would have, it would not, it just wouldn't have been good. Hmm. Well, I had started a ministry in the middle of all this, and it was to connect ministries with one another in the city. And it was called Serve Okay. There were so many ministries that were doing things, but they didn't know what the others were Mm. doing. So I had these conferences to connect them and to get volunteers for them. And so one of them was prison ministry. And this lady said, Cynthia, you would love it. You would love teaching there. I said, okay, I'll go out. Well, see, none of those prisoners knew me. They couldn't connect any of the dots. I taught out there for five years. And the first three years that I taught, it was on forgiveness. And there would be some times whenever I would be teaching And I was still so raw that I would begin weeping. And I'm talking about undone weeping. Preaching to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And these prisoners, I wasn't some religious woman coming in with them. I was somebody that was real. And I hurt like they hurt. We couldn't even get all the prisoners in. We'd have to put a sign on the door that said we're full. That's amazing. I mean, it was just, they loved me and I loved them. And they could see that I understood pain. And God healed me through that. He just healed me and healed me through it. And it wasn't an overnight thing. And I worked hard to be healed. I worked hard to see my part in it. What did I need to own through it? So it was not an easy time at all. And it wasn't over quickly. It was really about a 10-year span. But I would say the real hurting was about three years where I was just I was undone. So you're saying it's not a quick fix. (laughs) Not a quick fix. But I wasn't going to give in. I was not going to give up. And it was really interesting. I'd had some surgery and the wounds had all closed. And I got a message that someone had done something, had filed a lawsuit against us through all of this mess. And it just devastated me. And all those incisions opened up, reopened. Wow and stayed open for six weeks. And one day, the Lord said, Cynthia, I just cried in the shower. I just, how much I hated the devil. I hated what he had done. And I was out of the shower. I had a doctor's appointment. And the Lord said, Cynthia, if you really want to get back at the enemy, you live well. Mm, And you live well now, in the big middle of it, not after you get through it, but right now. And I just stopped and I just released it all, which I thought I already had. Mm -hmm. And so I released it again and just gave it all to the Lord. And those incisions began to heal the next day. Wow! So that's what unforgiveness and pain can do to you physically, you know, can really take you down physically. That was a very good lesson for me that to harbor that, to keep that in me, kept me from literally healing. Mm. The wounds, yeah, literally. Something that s- strikes me throughout everything that you've been sharing, and I think it just is probably a standout to everybody. I'm stating the obvious, but you're just a 
child of God who is abiding, connected. You're clinging throughout the highs and lows in your life, uh, seeking and clinging and abiding to the vine, to your Savior. And that is, is keeping you from falling into a continual pit of despair or feeling like a victim because of who you are in Christ, that He keeps lifting you up. And so I just would love for you to speak into that to those that are listening about kind of your spiritual walk, how you've stayed so rooted, because it seems like it's just a natural part of your life. And so it might be hard for you to pinpoint, but we'd love for everybody to have this type of relationship with the Mm -hmm. Lord. And so give us a peek into what your relationship is like. The word says, taste and see that I'm good. And I have really tasted him. Yeah. And I know he's good. And there's no substitute for him. Absolutely no one. I don't care how I, my husband is just such a huge gift to me. And the Lord asked me about five months into my marriage, was I going to substitute my husband for him because he loved me so well? And I could have done that. And I said, no, Lord, I won't do that. But you've got to promise me that you'll give me the grace if anything ever happens to him. I would go everywhere with him. I couldn't stand for him to be out of my sight. And he said, I've, I've promised you that. See, at that time, I wasn't in the word where I knew. He said, my grace is sufficient mm. for whatever you face. But he said to me, my grace will be sufficient for you. So I released my husband to the Lord, completely released him to the Lord, or I would have lived a fearful life that something was going to happen to him. Mm. But I think we have to release our children to the Lord. And the way we do it is that we know that the Lord loves them more than we love mm. them. And when you know that, it's not just head knowledge, but you really know that you can release your loved ones to him. He wants to see them do well better than you do. I would say the secret to my relationship with the Lord is that I know that he loves me, that he's crazy about me, that he spins around wildly (laughs) in delight over me. I believe that. He says, you are precious in my sight. You are honored. And I love you. In Isaiah 43, I believe that. I believe that he looks at me like I look at my children, like mm-hmm. I look at my grandchildren with such love in my That's eyes. Great example. Yeah. And that he loves me and then that he honors me. Have you ever thought about the Lord honoring you? He says, you're precious in my sight. I love you and I honor you. Beautiful. So someone may have disrespected you. They may have abused you. They may have raped you. But God says, I honor you. I will take you. And when he says, I will bind up the brokenhearted, here's what that means in the Hebrew. The broken means brokenhearted. It means to crush into little pieces. Mm. So God's not talking about someone that casually hurts you. He's talking about things that devastate you. And then when it says bind up, it means to bind up as to compress something that is hemorrhaging. So he says, I take the brokenness of your heart and I compress it with my fingers and I stop the bleeding. And so that is real to me. Mm -hmm. That is real to me. And so then you don't live afraid. If you've been hurt and you've been healed, it's not fun to be hurt. But if you've been healed and you know you can be healed, it's not a life sentence of pain. Yeah. Then you can run the risk of loving. It's great. That's so good. And you said, taste and see that the Lord is good and you've experienced it. And I just see that in your ministry and in in your life, that everything else flows out of that real genuine experience, which is beautiful. 
I was just going to give you a literal picture. I um, was a foster mother for 15 years. I picked up newborn babies from the hospital oh and goodness. took them home. Okay, we barely scratched the surface. I know. Yeah, like, what Part two. This is how the Lord used this with me is that he said, Cynthia, you know how you love little babies? And some of them will just take a nibble of milk and then they're satisfied and they go back to sleep, but they're not satisfied for long. Mm. He said, that's what people do with me mm. in a crisis. They'll take a nibble of me but they don't take me in and fully taste me mm. and see my goodness. So good. And so he said, and the babies that do take that milk in, they sleep and they're like full a good and they long know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's so incredible. Well, he's given me lots that. of things to heal me. Well, unfortunately, we're kind of running low on okay. time, but I, we would just love to know, is there any resources through all of this that you're like, man, you just need this resource in your life. And then also if you would end with just a final word of encouragement for all the women listening. I love Larry Crabb. He just passed away last year. I love his book, Inside Out, Finding God. I love Dr. Uh, Richards, James Richards, which is How to Stop the Pain. And um, really the main source is the Bible, God's Word. It speaks to every single situation of your life if you will give him a chance. And so I would say, if you're just starting out, pray before you pick up that word and then just begin reading in the Psalms or in John or or wherever, and he will speak to you directly. And so the word of the message that I would want to give to the women today would be, God loves you. I mean, he deeply loves you. He cares about every hair on your head. He has sent his only son to give his blood and die for your sins, that by his wounds, his blow marks, you are healed. And that word means thoroughly made whole. So I would say, go to God, go to the cross and fully receive his love. It is endless and it will heal you. All right. Well, bringing it back to both mentoring and discipleship, y'all, this really doesn't have to be difficult. You don't even have to use those words. But we were made for this. We were created for community. So text someone younger than you or call someone older than you. Reach out to someone who is seasoned in their faith or brand new in their faith. Grab some coffee, do a Bible plan, and see what God does with your small steps of faith. Well, I cannot say it enough, but we are so grateful that you took the time to join us. And just so you know, all of our resources mentioned are linked in the conversation notes. You can also subscribe to the podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And we'd love to connect with you on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And so as you head back into your day and back into your week, don't forget that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.